Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Good morning and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us this morning across America. It's great to be with you here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today is the memorial of one of the great saints of the Catholic Church, St. Francis de Sales, bishop and doctor of the church. He was a powerful preacher uh, who uh, reportedly bought back anywhere between forty and 70,000 Protestants, uh, most of them Calvinists, back to the Catholic faith uh, in the early 17th century. St. Francis de Sales uh, wrote the classic Introduction to the Devout Life, and his writings on the spiritual life have proved uh, highly influential and uh, very, very powerful. He's also the patron saint of journalists and other writers— so this reporter uh, needs to invoke St. Francis de Sales. I want to bring in our Morning Air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few stories uh, that you're uh, watching here uh, this hour here on this Tuesday morning? My goodness, guys, more mass shootings in California. That's three since Saturday now. Police believe the uh, suspect acted alone. This was in Half Moon Bay, just south of San Francisco. Seven people killed at two different locations on the heels of another shooting that left one dead and seven hurt in Oakland after 11 died over the weekend in Southern California. Glenn, it's so concerning uh, to hear about these mass shootings, three of them in just a matter uh, of days. Uh, do, do you think it's possible that there's a, some kind of a copycat uh, effect? Well, they say that, uh, you know, one bad, you know, incident can spark others uh, that may be on the edge. That's that's enough to, to throw them over. Yeah. And every time we, we hear about these mass shootings, you, you, you got to wonder what is going through the mind of, of these uh, shooters. Uh, you know, what motivates someone uh, to have no respect for human life and to just go out there and, and, and kill, uh, you know, seven people, uh, 11 people the, just the other day? Yeah, the shooter in that instance is dead, uh, turning the gun on himself. Uh, the uh, one from yesterday is in custody. Maybe we'll find out. Who knows? Uh, meanwhile, uh, our Vice President Kamala Harris is in the news uh, about uh, what she didn't say recently uh, when she was speaking uh, on the 50th anniversary of, uh, of Roe v. Wade uh, this past Sunday. Well, we might know from the uh, Declaration of Independence, right? We have that, that right to that for life, liberty, and, and happiness, the pursuit of those things. And, uh, well, maybe Kamala maybe missed that day back in grade school. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, you do get a few sick days, so maybe that was a day. Well, I mean, we could be generous and say she was sick a couple of days, but, I mean, it is a pretty famously quoted thing, so she's going to have to ship shape if she's going to move on to possibly maybe another position near the White House. She's going to have to know that, I think. It's just uh, hard to understand how uh, the the vice uh, president of the United States uh, could forget such an important uh, fact 
the right to life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which, by the way, this doesn't come out of thin air. It comes, we are endowed by our Creator. She also didn't mention uh, our Creator, which is the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this, uh, no accident, uh, this was uh, given here right around uh, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. So not to mention life. It's not an administration that's promoting life. Yeah, and we're not just, we're not picking on Kamala. Uh, There's a lot of people who feel this way uh, out there that are promoting abortion on demand. Uh, And so it really, at the end of the day, it's a spiritual battle, uh, something that we heard by uh, or from so many of our uh, guests uh, in recent days uh, leading up uh, to uh, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, it is a battle, and it continues, and uh, you're not alone in, in fighting that battle. Relevant Radio here to, to help you and encourage you daily. And if you've been out to any of those walks over the last weekend or those that are coming up, you'll run into many like-minded folks that are uh, willing to, in some cases, stand in very cold weather to uh, to pray for good things. One thing we think of in terms of warm weather is is those honeybees buzzing around, and they've kind of uh, taken a hit in numbers the last couple of years. Well, it turns out, guys, there is a new vaccine to help honeybees. They say there's a certain virus doesn't say it's COVID, but a virus that's causing higher mortality and colony collapse among honeybees. And so there is a, a new vaccine, and, and it's distributed perhaps on donuts. It says it's distributed through a sugary dough-like substance, which sounds like a, a pretty good way to get a vaccine, if you ask me. That sounds like a great way to get a vaccine. I mean, I don't think we would have had so much pushback from the COVID vaccine if they were saying, hey, uh, grab a donut, and then all of a sudden we all have it. I mean, that's a, that's a win for the bees. They know how to get their shots. Absolutely, especially for uh, all those folks who hate to have a needle put in their arm. Uh, a sugary donut would be a much easier way to go. We have to start getting us our medicine like animals, right? Just to fold it in a piece of bread or put it in our water dish or something like that. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I mean, that is the way of the future, possibly. I mean, like all those scientists, listen up. We've got a new idea for you. Well, we might be more uh, apt to getting those uh, shots and medicines if they're uh, a spoonful of sugar. So we know that that is the best way to go. And John, you're not afraid of needles, are you? Uh, I'm not real crazy about them, to be honest with you, but I'm not afraid of them. No. But I do love honey, so uh, our kudos to the honeybees this morning. As always, uh, Sarah and Glenn, thanks so much. Sure thing. First things first, we always start in prayer every hour, every show, always giving thanks to our Lord for all of the many blessings, keeping in mind that every day is a blessing, every day is a gift, and we always pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every moment and every day here on Morning Air when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. Wouldn't dare to do a show without the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. On Tuesdays, we also take a moment to remember the guardian angels. Each one of us has a guardian angel. So pray often to your guardian angel asking these 
Heavenly Companions for Help. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. Our email, if you want to share your thoughts, morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, according to our next guest earlier this month, Fortune reported that Shopify, the tech company that offers e-commerce platform for online stores and retail point-of-sale systems, has eliminated all recurring meetings involving more than two people. Furthermore, Shopify is limiting large meetings to only one time per week. Does this sound great, or do you have a different perspective on meetings? 888-914-9149 is our number if you want to chime in. Joining us live for much more from the Chicago area is Morning Air regular contributor Professor Harry Kramer to talk about why Shopify's move to eliminate meetings is uh, on the right track. Harry is a professor of management and strategy at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management and an executive partner with Madison Dearborn Partners, one of the largest private equity firms in the U.S. Professor Harry, good morning. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again. Always, always great to be with you, John. Always great. All right. So uh, tell us uh, more about uh, this decision by Shopify to limit meetings. Give us uh, your perspective. Well, you know, it's interesting, John. This is part of something you and I have discussed in the past, which is at the end of the day, you know, we all only have so much time. And we always say, oh, my goodness, I'd like to do this, but I I just don't have the time. And I always remind people, we all have the same amount of time. The question is, how do we use it? And how can we use it better? And those of us uh, that end up in businesses or, you know, could be any occupation, uh, you know, there seems to be, John, just a lot of meetings. And you kind of, many people come to work and they got a lot to do, but, oh, oh, I got a meeting at nine. Oh, you know what? I, I got a meeting at 10. I got another meeting on Zoom at 11. And all of a sudden they realize, wait a minute, uh, I'm just not getting a lot done. And part of the reason is because so many people are in meetings and we're just in meetings to be in meetings. And I think what these folks have said, and I think other companies are starting to think about it is, okay, yeah, there's, there definitely is a reason to be in a meeting once in a while, but how often do we need them? And when we have them, how long do they need to be? And if people really are prepared for a meeting, can you come to a meeting and say, what's the issue we need to resolve? What's the opportunity we need to take advantage of? Make it a half an hour and let, let's get, get back to work. Let's get some things done. So this whole concept, John, of you and I've talked about in the past, and you remember, John, maybe, I don't expect you to remember everything, but you may remember why 168 is one of the most important numbers. Absolutely. I could never forget that, uh, (laughs) Professor, 160. We have 168 hours uh, in a week, uh, 24 hours times seven, that's 168. And yeah, I mean, it it, it really makes you stop and think uh, this decision uh, by uh, the uh, executives at Shopify. Uh, has our uh, business culture uh, gone crazy with, with too many meetings? Yeah, well, I think so, John. And I, and I think that percolates across everything that we do. It can be a meeting even at church. It can be a meeting at school. It can be a meeting. And I think this whole concept of once I realize this idea of, well, I'll just go faster and faster and faster. Well, wait a minute. How about sitting back and saying, what are the things that we're doing that we can do less of? What are the things we can eliminate? And then what are the things, John, it goes both ways. What are the things that we're not doing that we could do more of? And I always think to myself, 
once you realize, and a lot of people will say, like, unlike you, John, well, geez, I don't know, Harry, what, why do you talk about this 168? And I'll say to somebody, well, how busy is your week this week? And they'll say, oh, this week I'm 24 7. All right, multiply it out, carry the two, you usually get 168. Well, when you realize you got 168 hours, how are you really utilizing those? And are, and are there things that you could be doing a lot better? You know, when somebody will say, John, if I were to say to you, hey, uh, John, do you want to have lunch this week? And you say, oh, geez, Harry, I'd like to, but I don't have the time. I always teasingly remind people, you've got the time. Now, it may not be a priority, but if it's something you really want to do, have you really thought about what meetings could you do less of? What meetings could you make shorter? What could you do more efficiently so that you better utilize the time you have? And by the way, it, it even gets to the family thing, uh, John. I, I use this one a lot with my, my five children when they were growing up. They'd say, oh, well, Dad, we, you know, we'd like to come to Mass with you, but you know what? I, I really is important, but I don't have the time. And I'd say, well, you don't have the time. Let's think about it. You know, a Mass, let's call it an hour a week. If one divided by 168, that's less than 1% of your time. If you don't even have 1% of your time focused on, on, on Jesus and, 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 and your faith, how, how, how could you possibly say it matters to you? And I think, again, just putting things in the context, John, whether it's a meeting, what are you doing, what are you not doing, and thinking about it has an enormous impact. So I think, I think what the Shopify people are doing makes a lot of sense. Although, as I mentioned to the students, even that, John, is in a balance, okay? Because guess what? If there really is a reason to be in a meeting, if there really is uh, a crisis going on, and we need to spend a couple of hours to think about it, well, then, then, then that may be a time that you may even need a longer meeting. But on average, John, overall, I think we are way over meeting uh, as, as a society, as teams, as businesses. That's my opinion. Well, uh, Shopify is, um, uh, they're, they're changing the way they do things. Uh, they, they say uh, large meetings involving more than 50 people uh, will only be held on Thursdays between 11 and 5 p.m. And then uh, also large meetings will only be once per week. They're, so they're putting some limits on. Uh, what are the alternatives from your perspective to meetings? I mean, like, first of all, you have to consider what, what is the whole purpose of these meetings? So what would be the alternative and still be able to get the job done? Sure. Well, think about it this way, John. Sometimes there'll be a meeting and you may have been, in, you may attended some of these where, you know, the night before they'll pass out, you know, uh, an email with, you know, 20 PowerPoint slides and can, hey, read all these, get ready. Well, think about it. You spend a half an hour, John, preparing the night before, but when you get to the meeting, what's the first thing that happens? The person literally goes through all the slides. It's like, wait a minute, if they're going to go through the slides in the meeting, why did I take the time the night before to be prepared? So one simple way to do this, John, is you pass out the materials in the day or two before. When you get to the meeting, you assume everybody's read it and say, okay, everybody's read it. How do we solve the issue? How do we take advantage of an opportunity and a meeting? But what happens, John, here's where it even gets even worse, because I know that you're going to go through all the slides the next day anyway. I don't read anything before the meeting. So when I get to the meeting, I'm not even sure why it's there. Now I'm going to waste a tremendous amount of time because no one's even know why they're at the meeting. And by the way, if it's just information, John, if it's just information, send people an email. They can read it at their leisure, okay? And some people can read it pretty quickly, as opposed to let's get together and not even know why we're together. 
That's how we waste a tremendous amount. And by the way, John, how long do meetings usually last? Well, often the meeting lasts a half an hour or it lasts an hour. Well, guess what? Why is that? Maybe the meeting only needs to last 10 minutes. Extremely interesting point. Uh, if you have any any thoughts on what uh, Shopify is doing to eliminate meetings, uh, if you agree or disagree, we're taking your calls for Professor Harry Kramer at 888-914-9149. Uh, Professor, can you think of a, a justification when a meeting really is necessary, when it is called for? Oh, many times, John. This is the balance again. This is the balance. Um, if we're in a business and we're going to launch a new product, all right, we better have a meeting so that every salesperson, everybody in marketing understands what we're doing, why we're doing it, what the customer requirements are going to be. Um, if John, something goes wrong, but God forbid something goes wrong, uh, and there's a crisis, you know, a product that we've made, uh, has ended up hurting people. Well, guess what? What happened? Why did it happen? Let's get the forensic scientists in here. What are we going to do to avoid it happening again? So it's interesting, John. Remember, I always talk about that second principle of balance. There's always going to be a balance, right? This discussion isn't about, oh, we don't need a meeting. The question is, how often do you need them? How long should they be? And what can you do in many cases to replace them that you know is not something that is very critical? What are your thoughts on uh, working remotely and people uh, getting con uh, connected, you know, uh, uh, through FaceTime or Zoom on, on these long distance meetings? So here, here's another example, John, of you always bring up great points. Here's a great example again, once again, of balance. If you think about what we all went through during COVID, and some of us still are, um, whereby, oh, we can't come to the office, we can't all be together. Wow, can we work remote? Well, one thing, John, again, I was looking at balance. One amazingly successful thing that happened during COVID is that I think many people realized that a lot of the work, a lot of the jobs could be done remotely. And so if you look at what happened, I think the numbers, John, that I think it used to be something like five, six percent of jobs could be remote. During COVID, there were like 35, 40 percent of jobs that ended up remote. And I think people said, hey, that this works pretty well. So now where are we, John? Here's another real good example of the need for, for balance. Some people say, okay, now everybody's got to come back. Everybody's got to come back 100% of the time, five days a week, 40 hours, whatever, and we want to be able to see everybody. And then there's other people that say, hey, guess what? This work remote thing worked really, really well. We can work remote. We never need to get together. Well, now if you think about it, John, where's the balance? Well, maybe if some of the jobs can be done remote. Some can't, but if some can not, don't, that may give people more flexibility. It may be a good way to operate. Do we really need to get everybody together five days a week? Probably not. But my balance, John, is I think you do need to get together people at least a couple of times a week because, John, I know you're a big sports guy as well. How do you build a team? How do you build a culture? How do you build a team? How do you build a culture if no one get, ever gets together? I mean, it, it's, I've seen people also say, oh, we're going to start to come into the office. Oh, well, that's good. How's that going to work? Well, you got your choice of coming in Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, Friday. Well, think about it, John. The whole team is never together. And can you imagine trying to figure out, hey, John's a pretty good guy, seems to have a good personality. Hey, he, he's managing three people now. Could he manage 30 or 40 people? How do you determine whether somebody can be a leader? 
develop a team, develop a culture if you spend no time together. And again, it's a balance. The Zoom thing has worked out phenomenally well compared to John, what you and I may have done 10 years ago when literally you had two TV sets and there was a delay and it was just, you can get a hundred people on all over the world. So there's a purpose for it. There's a use for it. But how do you find a balance, John? Because I think it's all about a balance. I, I think uh, the question of balance is, is a really important question. But I think also that there's something to be said for FaceTime, for seeing people in person, that chemistry that you just alluded to. Uh, th- when you're brainstorming, you're seeing each other, you're looking somebody in the eye. There's something to be said uh, for building that camaraderie, that teamwork uh, in person as opposed to just remotely. Absolutely, John. Absolutely. Right. We're in the office and I just stopped by your your desk. Hey, John, how are you doing? How was the game last night? And hey, how would you solve this problem? Right. And that that interplay, the water cooler, grabbing a little bit of lunch, finding out how people are doing. You know, I go into your cubicle and I can look at your pictures and oh, my goodness, your your daughter's getting older. You know, you that that whole environmental or social people that that interconnection uh, is incredibly difficult to do if you're not there live. Absolutely, John. There's, that's all part of that balance. Final thoughts. I know you have a, a class uh, to teach coming up here momentarily. Well, you know, the funny part of it, John, it's just what we talked about. I'm, I'm doing a, a class for a set of executives uh, in India, and there'll be a hundred of them on, uh, there'll be a hundred of them from various countries in Asia uh, on Zoom, and I'll be doing it on Zoom, which, by the way, is a good example. I didn't have to fly to New Delhi. I can finish with you and then get on this call, John. So uh, it's a really good example of an amazing balance of it. But again, as we said, some balance of being there physically and some on Zoom or whatever and figure out a way to uh, to do that can save you a lot of time and be much more efficient. How providential. I, I love it. Uh, Professor, uh, thank you so much uh, for being with us, uh, as always. Uh, always appreciate uh, your uh, perspective. Always great, John. God bless you and the entire Relevant Radio team, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take good care. God bless. God bless you, too. Professor Harry Kramer, Professor of Management and Strategy at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. Uh, his website, harrykramer.org. We need to take a short time out when morning air continues. Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez-Sardina will continue our discussion on living a faith-filled, hope-anchored, and love-driven life. So stay with us as the final hour of morning air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. The Apostle St. Paul writes, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." These verses are a powerful reminder that God's grace is all we need. No matter the challenge, no matter the hardship, His grace is sufficient. When we feel really weak, I mean really weak, like we just can't go on, uh, that's when we 
are really strong if we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Again, our number, if you want to be part of the conversation this morning, 888-914-9149. And now let's talk about love. According to recent surveys, uh, they're showing that people continue to make New Year's resolutions, and many of them are quite similar to those that they made uh, the year before. It looks like many of us are hoping to achieve this year what we were hoping for last year, but what can and should we truly hope for year after year and all lifelong? Joining us live uh, this morning is our resident loveologist and hope-filled love evangelizer, Martha Fernandez-Sardina, to continue to share some thoughts on the theological virtue of Christian hope in relation to faith and love to ensure that we're all living a faith-filled, hope-anchored, and love-driven life this year and the next and every day of our lives. Martha is an international bilingual speaker, the former director for evangelization for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and San Antonio. She's also the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com. Good morning, Martha. Thanks so much for being with us once again. It's great to be with you. Good morning. Great to be with you, John. We uh, talked about a lot of uh, stuff last week uh, about uh, what Christian hope is really all about and uh, some of the misconceptions uh, regarding hope. Can you, uh, can you give us a, a brief uh, recap of what we uh, touched on last week? Well, yes, we talked about the necessity of hope, how hope is connected to faith and to love. So the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love that are so important to us. And we ended last week's uh, episode on this three-part little mini-series on faith, hope, and love, um, uh, talking about how important it is. And uh, we began to touch a little bit on, on, on the catechism, and I want to pick up on there. But we, we ended, John, uh, reminding one another and ourselves that the lack of hope, which is rooted in faith and in love, can kill us. The lack of hope, the lack of faith and the lack of love can rob us of joy, of an enjoyment of life, of a, of a vision for the future. And the lack of uh, love and, and faith and hope, which is what we're talking about most uh, especially, can deprive us of life sometimes when people actually take their lives for lack of hope uh, or deteriorate. Uh, and, and also deprive us of the enjoyment of life, of a sense of meaning and purpose and, and the fulfillment of, of their purpose, of our purpose, of our purpose in life. And so without hope, we can languish. And we don't look forward to all the glorious things that the Lord has promised us and has reserved for us here and hereafter. And as we see in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, there's a section uh, that specifically talks about hope and uh, it talks about it in connection to faith and love and to the triune God who longs for us and he wishes that we long for him and for heaven. And we see in the Catechism, uh, Article 1817, that hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. And who doesn't want happiness, right? At placing our trust, the Catechism says, trust is a key word here, the desire and now the trust, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. So the virtue of hope allows us to desire heaven, to trust 
in Christ's promises and to be led by the grace of the Holy Spirit. And right there in Article 1817, uh, it's quoted, uh, scripture is quoted, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You see, God is actually trustworthy and true, and that's what hope teaches us. And then it goes on with another quote, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us or has poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. So that's what we're hoping for, not just a good life down here, but eternal life. And then it goes on, John, in 1818 to talk a little bit more about that aspiration to holiness, which God has placed in the heart of every man. And it says it takes up the hopes that inspire men's activities and purifies them, our hopes and our activities, so that we might order them to the kingdom of heaven. And it keeps, hope keeps man from discouragement. Isn't that important? And it goes on, it sustains him, man, during times of abandonment. So it's hope that keeps us going and flowing in times when we feel abandoned. And it goes on to say, it, hope opens up his heart, man's heart, an expectation of eternal beatitude, that blessed presence of God. And it goes on, John, it, hope, we, are, we, men and women, we are buoyed up by hope and we are preserved from selfishness and led to the happiness that flows from charity, from love. So hope does all these things. It breathes us up, it keeps us uh, from discouragement, it sustains us in times of trouble and abandonment, it inspires and purifies our activities and preserves us from selfishness and leads us to the happiness that flows from charity. And Martha, and if I may, right I, I was going to say, if I may jump in, the catechism has even yet more to say uh, about the virtue of hope. But you know, as, as you're sharing uh, this teaching from the catechism of the Catholic Church, you know, it, it occurs to me that people who do not know the Lord, they don't know Christ, they don't have that relationship. Uh, for them, it's very easy to be hopeless, uh, to to feel that darkness and despair, because ultimately, Christ is our hope, uh, which is something that the catechism here is breaking down for us. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm glad you said that because it could be among you, our listeners, maybe you don't have a faith in Christ, but guess what? Because faith and hope go together, hope, which we all need on the human level, can actually lead you to discover and to receive the gift of faith in Jesus Christ. Because who wouldn't want this kind of help that God is offering us, that Christian hope that unfolds in, in the life of, of, uh, of, of, of everyone, not just of the believer, most certainly in the life of the believer, but that hope that can come to us even when we don't believe. And, and that is why we need it, because otherwise, without hope, well, we, will, we will find ourselves in, 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 a, in, a, in a dire situation. In fact, uh, you know, if you know God, you know hope. And no God, no hope, you know, K-N-O-W. I'll get into that in a moment. But just to encourage everyone, regardless of your, your degree of faith or not, as it says in the Catechism in 1820, that Christian hope, that virtue, that gift that God has given us uh, unfolds from the very beginning of Jesus's uh, preaching. And we see it throughout the Gospels. And I encourage everyone to go to the Gospels and find the kernels of hope in his words and in his promises. And it shields us. And the Catechism says that it's a weapon that protects us in the struggle of salvation and that it gives us 
uh, a joy in moments of trial and that hope is expressed and nourished in prayer. So if you're languishing in prayer, begin with the Our Father, the Catechism says, which is the summary of everything that hope leads us to desire. So if you are right now feeling discouraged or your hope is waning, begin to pray. Even those of you who may not know for sure whether there is a God in heaven, pray to the God in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, and continue the prayer of the Our Father that Jesus himself taught us and ask for the gift of hope. And especially let us pray, as it says in Catechism 1821, to have hope in the glory of heaven promised by God, and that hope to fill every single moment of ours so that we might persevere to the end and obtain that joy of heaven, that eternal reward, reward, I should say, for the good works that we accomplish by the grace of God. And it is uh, by the grace of God and uh, God, the, the good Lord, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, has reminded us in the, the Divine Mercy uh, Chaplet devotion the importance of trusting in Him. Can you uh, touch briefly on that connection between uh, trust and hope? You just a simple prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. I think that opens up avenues of hope. Absolutely. When we discover that Jesus Christ is trustworthy and true, when we discover that everything that Jesus has said is worthy of trust, we can and must pray as he himself taught us through St. Faustina in the devotion of the divine mercy. We ought to pray that simple prayer. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. And we could put the emphasis on each of those words. I trust whether no one else does. I trust in you. We can put the emphasis on trust. I trust. I entrust myself. I give myself. I put my faith in you. I put my hope in you. I trust in you. I trust in you, 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 who are God Almighty and have demonstrated that. And we should do that, especially in moments uh, when we are uh, fal uh, faltering and failing. And we could even pray the beautiful words of St. Teresa of Avila, uh, which are quoted in the Catechism in 1821, she was speaking to her own soul and she said, hope, oh my soul, hope. You know neither the day nor the hour. Watch carefully for everything passes quickly, even though your impatience makes doubtful what is certain and turns a very short time into a long one. Dream that the more you struggle, the more you prove the love that you bear your God. And the more you will rejoice one day with your beloved in happiness, in rapture that can never end. And I find that very consoling. Now, when you are feeling deflated and defeated and disoriented and dispirited and disillusioned and discouraged and demoralized and dejected and depressed and despairing and disparate, yeah, it's hard to hope. But I am here to tell you that we should not lose the gift of hope, but nurture it and foment it and build our lives on it as a trustworthy and true promise from our God that he is trustworthy and true and we can hope in him so that we might go about living a faith-filled, hope-anchored, love-driven life. And I have a lot more to share next week on this. Christ is our hope, uh, no no question about it, and we all need hope uh, at this time uh, more than ever before. I want to bring in our listeners, if you have any thoughts on why hope is so important in our everyday lives. We're taking your calls uh, for Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com, if for whatever reason you've been 
feeling uh, lacking in hope, uh, we'd love to hear from you too and maybe share some words of encouragement with you. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a, a short uh, time out as we continue our discussion with Martha on hope. Stay with us. There's more to come on the other side. This is Morning Air. There's hope in front of me. There's a light, I still see it. There's a hand still holding me. Even when I don't believe it. We're talking about the virtue of hope as uh, we continue our conversation on living a faith-filled, hope-anchored, and love-driven life uh, with our good friend, Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez-Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com. Martha, this is a big topic to talk about uh, hope. And uh, what I'd like to do is is talk about why we need hope right now at this time and age uh, in our nation's history, at this time and age here in our church more than ever before. Well, I think that our desire for happiness and for joy and for protection and for security has increased and our need for a renewal of faith, hope, and love have increased over the last uh, few years. Uh, So many have been deprived of so much and have been disconnected from so many for so long. And uh, I think the prospect of death has also become more real for so many. And the fear of death and the reality of eternity have hit home uh, with so many people uh, so suddenly because of the pandemic and so many other things that are happening, people developing all sorts of uh, illnesses and dying suddenly and so forth. There's just a lot going on. And uh, hope protect us, protects us like a weapon, uh, as we said, uh, in those struggles for salvation. And it protects us uh, against so many uh, dark and evil forces that seem to engulf us at times uh, or at all times. And so we've been through a lot over the last uh, three years and and even longer uh, as individuals and as nations, as a society and within the church, there's a lot going on. Um, And millions of people are are still going through a lot since 2020 and leading up to it. And life has, for some of you, you know, for some of us, life has not been really disturbed. And in fact, some people have had quite a gain, financial gain and other types of gains with the multiple crises that we've lived through over the last uh, three years and leading up to it. But for many other people, life has not returned to normal. Uh, For some, it has returned pretty much to normal, but for some people, life is not what it used to be. And there are millions of people who are suffering right now, like you said, right now, even today. And as I said before the break, Many people are feeling disoriented and dispirited and disillusioned and discouraged and deflated and defeated and demoralized and dejected and depressed and despairing and desperate. And some, I would add a 12th D, disgusted with a lot that they see. And so people are fighting not to lose hope. Many people are. And I know, I know personally, a lot of people whose livelihoods depend on entire industries and professions that uh, are being hampered or curtailed or gutted or wrecked. And um, if you haven't noticed, there's a lot, thousands and thousands of people being laid off in the big tech giant industries, which is kind of interesting because uh, they made a lot of millions of dollars over the pandemic, and yet thousands of employees are losing their jobs. And I know people who have told me personally that they're suffering um, symptoms of PTSD, of post-traumatic stress disorder, and anxiety, and new phobias, and 
see, some people are in the grips of a fear addiction, unable to see and think and judge clearly. Uh, and so there's a lot of suffering and that's where faith, hope, and love come in and are so crucial and are so key, including those among us who are suffering the, and still mourning the loss of health and the loss of life of their loved ones, uh, especially those who were unable to say goodbye uh, for, uh, to their loved ones. And so there's this constant also, John, this constant doom and gloom that we hear from, from the powers that be and the media machine. And it's robbing many people of hope, uh, hope in the near and in the distant future of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and of restoring what they've lost, whether it's materially or spiritually or physically or relationally. Um, and so now more than ever, John, in this constant climate of uncertainty and constant change, we need hope. And uh, no we question need to about learn it. how to go about <laughs> Our hope uh, is our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's why we exist here at Relevant Radio, to bring uh, Christ to the world through the media. Rosie is joining us this morning from Atlanta. Good morning, Rosie. You're on with uh, Martha Fernandez-Sardina. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call. And I've been intrigued by what even on uh, your topic this morning, and especially Martha's viewpoint. And I am trying to help desperately a, my, my cousin who's in Florida, who, who's had, you know, he's had some issues, but uh, lost uh, his, siblings, his siblings. Anyway, he's very depressed and has no hope at all. He's very devout, and I have sent him some key books, and, and we spoke, and we're going to try to say the rosary every Sunday just to try to get him. The main thing is that you were just saying, the Lord is our hope. This is just a little bridge to that eternal, wonderful life that we're going to have. And Martha, you said some key things, and then I'm driving here. I'm trying to memorize them so I can share with him. But I'm wondering if there's any literature on the virtue of hope that um, I could buy or, or, or send him that would help him in this really bad situation that he's in. He's not eating very much. He's not coming out of his room. The only person he's talking to right now is me. Um, and I'm mm. just trying to encourage him and keep him up and get him out of this horrible situation. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for calling, Rosie. Thank you so very much. And we will pray for your cousin. Yes, there are some resources that you can go to uh, and either share portions there are from him or give to him. One that comes to mind immediately is the encyclical letter of Pope Benedict XVI on hope, on Christian hope. It's called On Christian Hope in Latin, Spe Salvi. And you could go uh, through that and read it, and, and you can find it online at the Vatican website. Just put in um, uh, On Christian Hope, Pope Benedict Sixteenth, and you'll have some websites that will pop up, or you can buy it in a bookstore. Um, and there are numerous scripture passages and references. Now, it is kind of heavy-duty theological stuff. Um, right now, I think there's also a, a, a small booklet on living a virtue-driven life by Pope uh, by uh, Father Benedict Rochelle that also touches on the virtue of hope and other virtues in there. And um, I will come up with a couple of other resources and I will put them on rememberyouarelove.com, which will take you right to my Facebook page. And I'll post a couple of resources there for you. And also because you're driving and you're trying to memorize, don't worry, I'll put the link to this broadcast a little later today in the afternoon, right there at rememberyouarelove.com. And you can listen to it at, uh, um, at leisure and then share it with your cousin. And we'll be praying for him. He's probably clinically depressed if he's not eating much. And so you might want to um, explore with him who is providing uh, um, uh, medical care to him, who's providing uh, some psychological care. Maybe speaking to a counselor would be helpful. Although you said 
He's not speaking to much anyone but you. So consider yourself a graced instrument from God. And I will be praying for you, Rosie, and for your cousin so that uh, you might be that instrument of hope in his life. And if you're able to visit with him, that's a good thing as well. Um, and by the way, I'm speaking on Saturday in a conference in Baton Rouge. If you want to fly out there, I'll be speaking at the Catholic Women's Conference at uh, Our Lady of Mercy, organized by the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And the whole theme all weekend long is hope. And, uh, and that's why I'm also uh, speaking about hope this week and last and next, uh, because it's so important. So uh, look that up also in case you want to get yourself over there. Thanks so much, uh, Rosie. We go to Mark, who's joining us this morning from Lake Forest, Illinois, suburban Chicago. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, John. Good morning, Martha. Thanks for having me on. I I just wanted to really build on something you said, Martha, um, from my own experience as a young man with parents who were in a lot of conflict, one who had mental illness, my mom, and I was raised outside the church. And I remember as a young man, I'm now 56, um, thinking, wow, this Catholic family I've met, they're so happy. And my future mother-in-law said that, um, well, faith is a gift. And I thought, ooh, that sounds kind of tough, because how do you get the gift? I thought, you know, gifts just kind of show up in your life. But human hope led me to simply ask for the gift of faith, and I received it. And seven years into marriage, I was baptized. We have seven beautiful adult children. But it's all because of the witness of um, my future mother-in-law and the way our hearts are made. Our hearts are made for hope and I and for faith in God, the one, the Father. And I and I asked for it and I received it. It takes time, but I just really wanted to kind of really just thank you for saying what you said and say that as I think about that sorrow in my life then and how it's just bloomed into so much joy in my life today. It's because of you know, that poverty I felt, I wasn't afraid to kind of ask for what I didn't have. That's beautiful, Mark. Thank you so much, because not knowing that you were going to call and share that testimony, uh, we said just a, a few minutes ago, right, that, that hope can lead us to faith and to love. And it looks like the love of your mother-in-law and her faith led your human hope to, uh, to ask for the gift of faith and it was granted to you. So that's a great encouragement for all of our listeners and for all the people that the Lord will send you and me and every one of us today to bring hope to, to be uh, ministers of hope and witnesses to faith and love messengers. So thank you so very much, Mark. I'm happy that you're in the church and living a faith-filled, an hope-anchored, love-driven life. Thanks again, uh, Mark, uh, for uh, sharing your faith with us uh, here this morning. Um, Martha, your f final thoughts here in the final uh, moments uh, on uh, the relationship and the importance of faith, uh, hope, and a charity, which is love. Well, they go together and one leads to the other, as we have just seen, and we can't live without faith, without hope. Uh, and without love. And if you look at the words, as I said earlier, no Christ, no faith, no Christ, no hope, no Christ, no love. You could do that with K-N-O-W. When you know him, you know these virtues of faith, hope, and love. But if you put the N-O, no Christ, many, many times we have no faith, no hope, and no love. So the idea and the invitation today is no Christ, K-N-O-W, seek him, ask for his, his gifts of faith, hope, and love as it happened with Mark, and make sure that you focus your mind and your hope on things that are eternal, because what it awaits us 
is the glory of heaven in the presence of a God who is all powerful and all loving and all knowing. So that's my invitation for you. And for the rest of you, especially women, my invitation to go to catholicvineyard.com and register for the January 28th, Saturdays, Women of Faith, uh, of the Women uh, of Hope Conference, the uh, Anchor of Hope Conference, I'll be speaking there. Thanks so much, uh, Martha. Really do uh, appreciate it. Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com. And now, as always, it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called When Parents Grow Old. Let them grow old with the same love they let you grow. Let them speak and tell repeated stories with the same patience and interest that they heard yours as a child. Let them overcome like so many times when they let you win. Let them enjoy their friends just as they let you. Let them enjoy the talks with their grandchildren because they say you in them. Let them enjoy living among the objects that have accompanied them for a long time because they suffer when they feel that you're tearing pieces of this life away. Let them be wrong like so many times you've been wrong and they didn't embarrass you by correcting you. Let them live and try to make them happy the last stretch of the path they have left to go. Give them your hand, just like they gave you their hand when you started your path. Exodus 20:12. Honor your father and your mother, that you may have a long life in the land the Lord your God has given you. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. As always, really appreciate it. And again, just a reminder, Christ is our hope. And on this uh, seventh day of the octave of prayer for Christian unity, let's pray the family rosary across America with Father Rocky, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And that'll do it for this Tuesday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producers Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on Wednesday on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is up next.